I'm Aubrey. And I'm Heather. And, and this, this is Word Vomit. Welcome to this week's episode of Word Vomit. We are here with our friend Jess. Aubrey, do you kind of want to explain the background, how we know her? Yeah, I mean, I just know Jess from, I mean, when we were kids, basically. We met when we were like 12 or 13. Since then, Jess has just did, done some pretty awesome things with her life and had some cool experiences, so I thought it'd be fun to um, just interview her and get her outlook on life. We're going to start off by asking her a few random questions before we dive into her story. So the first random question we have for you, Jess, is what age do you wish you could permanently be and why? Oh, man, that's a super hard question. <laughs> um, I love being 16 because it was just so fun. I went to Australia for a month when I was 16, and you can just roll down the windows of your brand new car and drive around blasting music. That just sounds so fun. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can travel, you can drive, you can just do whatever you want, basically. <laughs> so that'd be fun. That is actually most of my 16-year-old memories is just driving around in the cars yeah. of my friends who had driver's licenses already and yes. blasting music. That's pretty much Literally it. Literally just driving and just thinking it was awesome. Okay, what quirks do you have? That is a good question. The first thing that comes to my mind is sometimes I yell at my husband in my sleep. So it's <laughs> not like all the time, but it happened kind of recently. So that's just the first thing that popped into my head. Yeah. Well, what were you yelling okay, at though, him? I don't know, just like random things. But he has kicked me like super hard in his sleep. So I feel like we're even. <laughs> oh, I feel like you can talk for another month or two and you still wouldn't be even. Yeah, seriously. I don't even, I, he tells me what I say and I'm just like, oh man, like I, I don't even want to hear that because it's so weird. I don't know. <laughs> oh man. It's so funny. All right. And your third random question is, what's the best thing you got from your parents? The best thing I got? Like a gift or like an attribute? You tell us. Oh man. Okay. Okay. This sounds really weird, but my mom never had braces and she has like perfect teeth and I don't think I have perfect teeth, but a lot of people tell me that I have a good smile. So I feel like I got a good smile from my mom. <laughs> that was without orthodontics? Um, I had a retainer because my dad has like a really narrow face. So like my mouth wasn't wide enough. So like, I guess I had that to like widen my palate a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> That's really weird. Other than that, they're pretty much just naturally how they are so something <laughs> you can brag about for sure yeah yeah super random but there's that that's awesome okay so we're gonna get like down into the nitty-gritty about the topic and basically our topic today is everything education motherhood career nonprofits, and that's just because jess has done it all so <laughs> all <over the> <laughs> we're gonna start it out with what role has education played in your life, and how do you feel it has opened doors for you? That's a good question. So I'm kind of one of those crazy people that just keeps coming back for more education. I just keep going back. Um, I kind of think of it as um, pursuing my education has like its own value, regardless of if I ever enter the formal paid workforce. But 
um, I read a quote once that was like, the privilege of education is that we get to choose what we get to do with our lives. And I just love that. And I think it's so true. So I think kind of like everything I do today and everything I am today and think about, I owe to my education. So I graduated with my undergrad and got a job a year after getting married. And then after being at that job for about a year, I had a baby and was able to work from home part-time. So they, that company that I was with allowed me to kind of work from home part-time. And then I just felt compelled that I needed to apply for a master's. And so I started that when my first baby Eli was one and I feel like I had so many opportunities opened up to me from that master's program so I was it was a master's in public health and I was able to do an internship at LDS Charities I was able to work in Uganda with a, a nonprofit that does maternal health and I was also able to work with Freedom from Hunger then they work on well what I was doing for them was research on like food insecurity and women's savings groups um, in Africa. Burkina Faso is the country, but you probably haven't heard of it. <laughs> a lot of people haven't. Um, and then I had another, or I had a professor in my master's who helped me kind of get into publishing and teaching undergrad courses. So I kind of started to fall in love with that side of it. And when I was about to graduate with my master's, I was a few days away from having Hayden, my second baby. And he knew that I wanted a PhD and he would just encourage me to pursue that in the future if I wanted to, because I was I was feeling like it was the end of the road for me, kind of like, oh, now I have two kids, like I'm for sure not getting any more education. But he kind of encouraged me, like, hey, you can do it if that's what you really want. Like, it's totally possible. There's There's ways to make it work. And he also knew that I was super sad about graduating and kind of not being in the field anymore. And he was on the board of a nonprofit. And so he said, Hey, if you want a, a job from home, like I can talk to this nonprofit, it's called the Leahona Children's Foundation and kind of see if they could hire you to do some work for them from home. And so that's kind of how I ended up working for Leahona after my master's and having two kids. So I just think the, the networking opportunities education has provided and just some basic skills and stuff like that has just opened a lot of doors and connections with people for me. But there's also a lot of informal ways you can get an education. Like you don't have to go through a master's and a PhD to keep getting education. There's things like MIT Open Courseware where they publish all of their courses for free or websites like lynda.com that I've used to get skills like Adobe Illustrator. I just I just love learning, so I just keep finding ways to learn more. <laughs> anyway, that was a long answer, but... So, no, we love it. Obviously, education has <laughs> not played a minor role in your life. Yes, I would say a very major role. I am a nerd at heart and <laughs> can own that. Nothing wrong with that. What was your first job and how do you feel it helped you grow? So my first job, like out of college, you mean? Or like first yeah, job like ever? First- First career job. First career job. Okay. So it was a job. I actually hated it a lot. So I don't know if I, if I want to you talk a lot about it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was working and it was just like a research job. So I was spending literally eight hours a day at a computer researching and writing research papers. And it was just hard because <clears throat> I was at a computer all day researching but it it kind of taught me like sometimes you have to do things that suck and things that are hard but you just gotta stick with it sometimes and do what you don't love so you can get to be able to do things that you do love eventually so that was my first job I was researching 
um, I might as well just tell you the company. I don't hate the company. <laughs> it was doTERRA, and I was researching essential oil constituents and the medicinal properties of them, which was interesting, and I actually learned a lot, but it was just hard to do for eight hours a day, five yeah, days Yeah, I fell asleep That's all. just <laughs> hearing, hearing the title. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. It, was, mean, it, got, it got old fast, but I learned a lot. <laughs> And also, it was a stepping stone, it sounds stepping like. Stepping stone. Exactly. To totally. something better. So, Honestly, yes. sometimes sucky <laughs> jobs are the best things for you, because then when you find yeah. something you it's love, It's a means like, to an ah. end. <laughs> yes, exactly. While you've been getting your education and working, um, you've been pregnant, you've had some crazy deliveries and postpartum experiences. Can you tell us about those yes. and how they kind of affected your career and education? With Eli, I was actually at work at this job that I love slash hated, <laughs> and I was, I was like 33 weeks, and I just had like a checkup, and I just told my boss like, hey, I just got to run to my appointment, I'll be back for our meeting in an hour. The office, my OBGYN was like right across the street from my work office. I was like, hey, I'll be right back. And it turned out I never came back. <laughs> I was admitted for an emergency C-section because I had severe preeclampsia to make oh, a long, man. scary day short, story short. So my husband met me at the hospital, and they whisked me back for a C-section. And it was super scary because they didn't really give me a choice of, like, wait it out and see if things get better or, like, try for a normal delivery. It was just like, you were having a C-section right this minute. So that was... A little terrifying and Mark wasn't even my husband's Mark and he, he by the time he had put on like the scrubs they had already done the c-section he was like you didn't even wait for me and they were like we had to hurry things were getting really bad so it was pretty scary and he was in the NICU for six weeks or no sorry four weeks he was in the NICU for four weeks he was a little over six weeks early so that was scary but I was actually grateful that he was in the NICU because I ended up having a ton of complications. So I had after, so I, I went home and my baby was still in the NICU. And after the first week I got readmitted because I had blood clots in my legs and in my lungs. So that was not fun. And I was put on blood thinners. And then the week after that, they found out that I had like secondary infections from the C-section. And so I was just super weak, had to be readmitted because of the complications of the infections. And then the week after that, I had, it was the same day I brought my baby home from the NICU and I was at home. And because of the blood thinners I was on, I just started hemorrhaging like crazy at home like so bad that I completely blacked out passed out at home losing a ton of blood and I just wake up to a bunch of firemen standing over me carrying me out on a stretcher and I'm like oh my gosh like this is first of all so embarrassing second of all super scary like what is happening I just blacked out for a few minutes and luckily my husband was home it was like oh. six o'clock in the morning so luckily he was no home because I was just totally yeah my totally gosh, oblivious my heart to the world like keeps like dropping <laughs> Yeah, it was not fun. So I got rushed back to the hospital and I did a DNC, which was actually painful because of the C-section. So I had a DNC to stop the bleeding because it just wouldn't stop. And it was because of the blood thinners that I was on because of all the blood clots that I had in my legs and lungs. So that was a really not fun birth experience for your first child. It was not very fun to live through, but <laughs> I lived, so that's good. And then probably kind of Hayden, traumatized you for the second yeah. one. 
It was. It, it was. I was nervous for the second one, so I guess how that impacted my career in education, I'm not really sure, except that it let me work from home because my work was a lot more sympathetic, and <laughs> they kind of were like, oh yeah, you've had this horrible experience, like you can work from home for now, we'll, we'll see how it goes, and then they were like, actually, you're doing a great job, like we trust you to work from home, so then, you know, like two months after he was born, I kind of started working again from home and going Silver into the office, lining. just like... Yeah, silver lining, exactly. <laughs> so then for my second baby, I was pretty nervous. I think that's kind of another reason why I was able to pursue a master's is because I waited longer between my first and, a sec- and my second than some people might. So they're three years apart. And so when Eli was one, I went back to school. And then by the time I finished my master's, I graduated and had Hayden. It was like four days after my graduation day. So it was good timing. It worked out, but I definitely was like super scared about getting pregnant again. And for Hayden, I kind of had a crazy experience too. I was trying for a VBAC and after like eight hours of labor, they were like, this is not going well. Um, I also had preeclampsia again, but it wasn't as early. So I was 37 weeks, which is much, much better than 33 weeks, (laughs) night and day difference. So I was in the hospital and I ended up having to have a C-section while trying for a VBAC. And that was extremely traumatic because I could so I had an epidural but they weren't able to do a spinal tap because I already had an epidural and so I could feel a lot of what they were doing in the c-section and it was horrible (laughs) it was so bad I was screaming at the doctors to stop and they were like we can't stop like your baby's heartbeat is like super slowing down like he's in danger and now you're in danger because we're in the middle like obviously you can't stop in the middle of a (laughs) c-section but I was just like screaming because I could hear them and my poor husband was just like freaking out because he didn't know what to do and I was just bawling because I didn't want a c-section and it was not fun to say the least but oh my gosh I'm just like sick for you (laughs) yeah it was it was not fun and yeah I mean with Eli like I could feel like the pressure and pulling and stuff with the c-section but there wasn't any like pain like this time I was not fully numb and I could absolutely feel what they were doing and I was not happy about it (laughs) so that was fun and then uh-huh. Hayden was fine. Luckily, he didn't have any time in the NICU, so I was super grateful for that. But then after I got him home from the hospital, so I had him on a Monday. I came home from the hospital on a Friday, and the next day on a Saturday, I just started having this super random, like, excruciating pain. And I went back to the ER, and they they told me I had, like, an internal um, hematoma. And so I was like, well, that's weird. And they're like, well, it's not getting any bigger. So they sent me home. I went home, passed out twice. My husband took me back to the hospital and was like, she's not doing well. She can't even walk. She keeps passing out. Something's wrong. And then they did more ultrasounds. And they're like, yeah, it looks like she still has a little bit of like internal bleeding and stuff like that. But she's fine. So I go home. And then the next day it happens again. And it's getting much, much worse. And so I go back again. And they send me home again. And... <laughs> So finally, this the la- it was like a Monday night, and I was so bad, I couldn't even sit up in bed to like nurse my baby or I would black out. So it was super bad, and finally my, I couldn't, I, I kept trying to get out of bed because my husband was like, we have got to go back to the hospital. And I passed out three times, like just hitting the floor every time, and I hated it every time because it's just like, you just feel like you lose control. You're like, oh man. I can't see, I can't hear, like, I I don't know what's wrong with me, so 
Finally, they called the ambulance, got to have another ambulance ride back to the hospital. <laughs> and at that point, the ER was like, holy cow, you have lost over two liters of blood. And I was just bleeding out internally through my C-section incision. So they rushed me for emergency surgery again. And they had to reopen my C-section incision and do a patch job and sew me back up. So <laughs> that was also horrible. And then I had to spend another week in the hospital recovering from that second surgery. So not um, only does that sound like incredibly traumatizing and horrifying for yourself and your husband, but sounds really expensive. Yeah, it was very expensive. Luckily, like our insurance out of pocket max was I think it was it was like ten thousand, so it could have been like much, much worse. But Oh man. Luckily we had an out of pocket max and we hit that and didn't have to pay anymore. <laughs> but Oh my goodness. Yeah, so those were not fun birthing experiences. And I think six months after I had Hayden well I was experiencing it the whole time, but it wasn't until Hayden was about six months that I realized that I had, like, super bad postpartum depression. And so that was, I don't know if it had to do with, like, the traumatic birthing experiences and, like, things not going the way I hoped or expected and going back in the hospital and just all that stress or, I don't know, there's lots of causes for postpartum depression, but. So is this with Eli or as well no, um with this with hate i think i had it like i think i had it a little bit with eli but i think it was definitely a lot worse with hayden which is interesting because he wasn't in the nicu but to me his my complications with him were like even scarier just because it was like all happening again and there was so much back and forth between the hospital and the way that the er all went down was kind of traumatic like they were like we can't take yeah. you back for surgery until you have until we find a blood donor that matches because you like you don't have any blood left like we can't give you we can't do a surgery and so I'm like okay and then all of a sudden they come rushing in and they're like you have to go to surgery now like we can't find a blood match you're losing blood too fast like we're going to surgery now and I was just like but you said I'll die if you don't have a blood donor like they literally said that and they're like you're losing blood too fast we can't find a match you have a unique blood type blah 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 and I was just like this is the end of the road like it was it was very dramatic it sounds exaggerated now but like in the moment I like told Mark, I was like I, I don't even remember but there was like some <laughs> weird antibody that I had they were like you'll have a really bad reaction if we don't match this antibody oh wow. I don't know yeah so I told Mark I was like you can find another wife <laughs> Oh and he's God. like bawling oh like no but like I was I was like I felt like it was the end of the road for me like I was like this is the end like and nurses would come in and they would like leave the room running because they're like she is gray as a ghost like she has no color in her body she's lost so much blood and it was it was scary so oh my gosh you're a miracle. I don't know if, yeah that's I'm like I uh Third time's a charm, maybe? Or yeah, three strikes, I'm out. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't say that. We, I know, we joke about it now, but it's like, it was scary, but I lived. Yeah. So that's, it's, it's fine. It's fine Well, now, I'm sure, but. like, traumatic, like, traumatic experiences, hormones, like, I mean. Yeah. There's just, lot. like, the perfect storm to have PPD. Yeah. Perfect storm. That's a good way to put it. But I just, so at about six months for Hayden is when things were just like super bad. Like I feel like I kind of hit rock bottom. Like I felt trapped and I would feel like I wanted to run away, which is terrible because I 
obviously loved my kids and my husband and I was just like, what is wrong with me? Like I was always angry. I I was just like, what is the deal? Like I just thought I was a terrible person, but my husband Mark was just like, okay, you need to get help. And I was like, okay, fine. So I actually went on medication, which I was super against at first, but considering like a week after I started medication, like all those feelings literally disappeared. And I was just like, okay, like, those thoughts were not me. I'm not a horrible person. I don't actually want to run away. Like, I'm not angry all the time. So it was super good to just, like, get help. I did go to therapy for, like, five months, and that helped a ton. And, yeah, just the combo of medication and um, therapy just, like, really helped. So one of our... I just think more people should talk about it, so... Oh, yeah. One of our <laughs> no, episodes, we interviewed a girl named Sydney, and her whole episode was all about postpartum depression, and it was really yeah. eye-opening, and I, you're definitely not alone in that, and yeah. you mentioned that you didn't really have it with Eli, but you did have it with Hayden, and Sydney uh-huh. said the same thing. She said it can happen with one child, and then maybe you won't experience it at all with another delivery... So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're wise in saying people need to educate themselves on that. Yeah, and it was hard to because it was already, like, six months later. And so I was like, this is just, like, who I am. Like, my, it's not postpartum depression if it's been, you know, six months. But after talking to my doctor, like, oh, no, it can happen, like, up to a year later. It's still considered postpartum depression and I think, like, the biggest thing for me that was just, like, blaming myself, like, oh, I'm a horrible mother, and, and I mean, maybe I still am, but <laughs> it's, like, no, considering that, mom. like, considering that, like, medication helped so immediately, I was, like, able to separate that and be, like, okay, like, that's not me, it's not who I am, I guess, so that was helpful to realize. PPD and PPA are so scary, and the thing they is are. also, like, um... After I stopped nursing my baby, I got, like, intense anxiety. Oh, yeah. I've also heard of that, too. Because you have serotonin drops. And some people, like, when I was nursing, I guess my serotonin was, like, really going. And as soon as I stopped, it completely bottomed out. So, yeah. yeah, It can happen anytime. And so it's crazy. But thank you so much for sharing that experience. That's nuts, yeah, and totally. I'm glad that you are feeling better after you got help. Me too. <laughs> and kind of to relate it back to, like, how it affected my career and education, I had always thought, like, I wanted to go back and get more education, but through the depression time, I was kind of like, well, that's just me, like, wanting to escape or, like, run away, but, like, after therapy and medication, you know, like, those thoughts and desires only got stronger of, of wanting to pursue more education. So I don't know, my, f- my frame of thought has changed to be like, you have these feelings and desires and like purposes for a reason. And so you need to act on them and you can sit and just keep doing the same things you're doing over and over and feel frustrated with your life. Or you can realize that like you have those feelings for a purpose. And like, I feel like, like God gave me those desires for a reason. And so if I act on them and as I've acted on them, acted on them, I feel like I've just been like so much happier going back to school and just, I mean, it's right now. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm in a PhD program right now. Yeah. And I just think since starting that, I've just continued to get happier and happier. And I, I just think it's like, 
following your your life mission, I guess. I don't know. If <laughs> no, but seriously. But it's like act, acting on the desires that God gave you will just make you happier. And it's it wasn't at first I felt like guilty for like wanting to go back to school. Like, oh, I, I want to leave my kids, but it's not that it's like I just have this desire. And as I've acted on it and worked on it, like I've only gotten happier and felt more sure about what I'm doing. If that makes any sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, it totally does. Can you tell us a little bit about Liahona and Mommy and all the other ventures? Yeah, all the things. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of mentioned Liahona. Um, so they're a nonprofit organization that does malnutrition supplements for kids who are stunted and wasted. So stunted is for their age and it's chronic undernutrition, not enough calories over a prolonged period of time. And it's um, wasted is acute malnutrition, so they're just too they're underweight for their height, um, so they're just too skinny. Basically, we provide nutritional supplements for them. Our most common one is called Plumpy Nut. It's kind of like a peanut butter paste, and it has like it's just really dense, calorically dense, and it has like all your vitamins and minerals that you need in it. So that's what Leahona does, and I do event planning and grant writing and program planning social media kind of a, a eclectic thing <laughs> a lot of things for them so I love the work that I get to do with them and I've been able to go to Haiti and Kiribati recently with them to do some screening for kids so I really loved being able to be involved with that and work from home for them for the past it's almost been two years since I've worked for them um, and then Momini is another organization I've gotten involved with recently. So Momini is an app that was created to solve the global child care crisis. And uh, it connects moms to other moms for care sharing options. And the name Momini, I think, is kind of cool how it got to be named. So Omni is Latin for all or everywhere. And so, like, mom plus Omni is, like, Momini. So moms everywhere. I don't know. I just thought that was cool. Oh, that's clever. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so they work to solve the global child care crisis, both here and abroad. And I just love that their mission is to just give moms more options. Like, they're not saying that moms should go to work. They're not saying that moms should go to school. They're not saying that moms should take time off from their kids or anything like that. They're just giving moms, like, more choices and options. So if you have a doctor's appointment you need to run to, you can book a momny and it's they do the background check for you so it's kind of helping moms to develop their own like circles of support if they don't already have that in their neighborhoods or areas that they live what else do you want to oh, hear about perfect. those it's like a it's <laughs> okay. like a basically like a play date app basically. yeah they call it paid play dates yeah yeah that's perfect. paid play dates well, that's fun. i want to know what about these organizations makes you the most excited what makes me the most excited? That is a good question. So with Momni, I am really excited because they, so I, I met the, the founder, her name is Carmel, and after a few conversations with her, she appointed me their director of volunteers, <laughs> which is kind of just a fancy title right now, but the the goal and the dream is to build out the foundation side. So our goal is to provide an hour of free childcare for every hour of childcare that's booked here in the U.S. So there's a lot of moms in the developing world who just have absolutely no childcare options, and there's a lot of single moms. And so what they sometimes end up having to do is doping their child. So they'll get 
common drugstore drugs and just give too high of a dose to their kids and so that they just will go to sleep so they know that they're safe at home while they're at work but they're just they've just been drugged so that they're asleep all day which is just the saddest thing never I think that, that I've ever before. heard yeah yeah it's terrible. if you do a little bit of research on it it is crazy and I don't know why it's not one of the millennial developing goals the sustainable developing goals of the world like it's crazy yeah. and it's a huge problem and nobody talks about it so Global childcare crisis, it's a thing, and it's so sad. So we're working with some organizations right now, and we're trying to get funding for the foundation side of it, and that's the, where I want to spend my time working with Momni is that one-for-one -one model of donating childcare to moms in the developing world for moms that book it here. I just love that, and helping moms get out of their tough situations because obviously no mom would ever choose to do that so if they're doing that they're obviously pretty desperate oh, yeah, so wow. that makes me excited to try to start working on that problem yeah, that's, <laughs> working to solve that's that really eye-opening it's pretty crazy and i think it goes you've probably heard of like child trafficking it goes hand in hand with mm -hmm. that because a lot of times they'll find the, the kids when the moms are gone at work and they're they're helpless or even if the moms are too busy working, they'll, they'll think that they're providing their kids a better life by selling them to quote-unquote orphanages, but really it's child traffickers. So I feel like child trafficking and the global child care crisis kind of go hand in hand. And so preventing moms from being in such desperate situations can help them to not be trafficked and to not be home drugged all day, which are both very important, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. sister-in-law just helped organize a big child trafficking uh, fundraiser in Springville, it Springville, Utah. And Yeah, was it for OUR? Ooh, I'm not, I'm not sure. But okay. um, it's Operation Underground Railroad. They're pretty popular and we're trying to partner with them. So that's yes, cool. <laughs> I think that is them. Well, I'll have to put you in touch with her. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, I will definitely do that. Um, and if any cool. of you listeners have any connections, let us know and we can um, give your connections to Jess. Yeah, yes, that would be great. be great. Yeah. Jess, how have you and Mark been able to balance successful careers, education, and philanthropic endeavors with your kids? That is a tough thing to do. <laughs> you always hear like, oh, you can't balance it. You're just juggling. So I feel like we are just a juggling act. Um, our day-to-day -day kind of looks like waking up and Mark usually gets the kids ready for me because I'm busy trying to get myself ready and he gets ready in like two seconds. So <laughs> he usually helps me a ton and helps me get their clothes on and get their breakfast together. And then we put them in the car and um, Eli goes to preschool while I go to school on Mondays and Wednesdays, and I have a friend, Aubrey, you probably remember Hannah. Yeah. Do you remember Hannah? Yeah. So mm -hmm. her and I actually child swap on those days, so she's getting her master's as well, and she's in a um, social work program, so I go to school in the morning while she has Hayden, and then she actually picks up Eli for me while I'm at school, and then we swap and I take her little girl for the rest of the day. And then usually I get home around one-ish from school and then just have the rest of the day to play with the kids. And Mark will get home 
probably like six ish and we'll try to have like an hour to eat dinner together and then usually I'm like okay I gotta go peace out and do homework (laughs) so he'll usually handle bedtime or we'll tag team bedtime and I'll start working on stuff at eight depending on how much work I have to do so I think he supports me a lot it hasn't always been like super easy when I first wanted to get my master's he was kind of against it he was like well why do you need more education like you already graduated like why would you ever go back and I had to take some time to tell him why and try to explain myself and I wasn't very good at it but ultimately he supported my decision and was in 100% and so when I told him I wanted to get a PhD he was just kind of like oh here we go again like (laughs) I saw this coming (laughs) so he's been super supportive but I think just like learning how to communicate better intentionally working on communication skills and we're not always the greatest at it but just learning how to communicate better and honestly this might sound cheesy but just trying to follow like God's plan for us God will steal you he will reassure you he leads you he encourages you he calms you and empowers you where Satan will do the opposite he'll rush you he'll frustrate you and so when I'm when we're feeling kind of rushed and frustrated with everything I think we sometimes will just try to step back and see what things we can drop and what things we can calmly move forward with. Kind of a random side story that I wanted to share was like my first week of class of my PhD just this past fall. I was super worried that I was like making the wrong choice and abandoning my kids to go to school. And I was already like too busy to make dinner the first week. I was just super stressed and just like wondering, did I make the right choice? Is this stupid? And just kind of praying about it and just I was randomly beating myself up about not making dinner that week and literally two completely random people in our neighborhood two guys actually brought us dinner on two different nights like I didn't I mean I I know them like they know who we are but it was just like they didn't know I was starting school that week I mean they were these were the husbands of my friends like they literally I mean I won't say they don't know anything about us because we're neighbors like they know who we are but they didn't know what I was going through, to say the least. But one guy brought us dinner from Pizza Hut. He, like, delivers Pizza Hut twice a week just for, like, extra cash. And he was like, hey, I have, like, three extra pizzas. I just thought I'd run them over. And here you go. And I was just like, Aww, are you kidding me? Like, that's so sweet. awesome. And then literally two nights later, another guy who works at this, like, Peruvian specialty shop on Center Street in Provo, he was just like, hey, we had, like – randomly had like a ton of leftovers and so I just wanted to bring you guys this huge box of these I don't I can't remember what they're called they're like a dough with like a bunch of meat inside yes that's exactly what they are thank you (laughs) that's what they are I know my food yeah you're so good he brought over like a bunch of those and was just like yeah I just and he'd never brought them over before and he's never brought them over since but it was just like two people on this night that I'm like having these serious doubts I was just like that is a sign to me and I was like everything's gonna be okay like it's all gonna work out I don't need to be I don't know it was just a really cool experience that they brought us dinner in the week (laughs) Mark has also really supported me when I travel when I went to Uganda and Haiti and Kiribati there he was able to take a few days off work and if he couldn't take work off he would help me find family and neighbors to watch the boys while he was at work and He's just been a good support that way. Um, yeah, you guys are one of my team. favorite. Yeah, I was sometimes. It depends on the week, but <laughs> <laughs> we have our moments. But I just love this quote by 
President Henry B. Eyring, and it's part of the tragedy you must avoid is to discover too late that you missed an opportunity to prepare for a future that only God could see for you. And I just love that so much. And I think that by working together, like as a couple and working, working for each other's goals, we're able to take more opportunities that kind of prepare us for the future that only God could see for us. I just love that idea of sometimes you don't know if it'll be worth it or if you're working on the right things, but hopefully it'll all come together in the end. <laughs> That's what you yes, hope anyway. That quote was so <laughs> applicable. I love that. It's a good quote. So in a yes. nutshell, what do you want people to know about Liahona and Mavi? Um, I think like I mean you can go online and like learn more about those organizations yourself, but I think that a lot of people always ask me like how did you get involved with them and I want to be involved, how do I get involved? So I think if anything I just want people to know that there are so many organizations like that to get involved in and that you should just start by like thinking of your own talents and what you like to do for fun and I think we all have a choice of like how to best apply our degrees and our talents and you can just use them I just think we have like a choice like we can either use them to bring joy to ourselves and light to ourselves or we can use them to bring joy and light and experiences to other people so I think just using your talents find an organization that has a cause that you are excited about and you could apply your talents to and whether it's volunteer or like a work from home situation there's just so many fun things that you can get involved in so go go and do something um i think another one of my sorry i'm sharing all these random quotes but they're on my notes on i just have this running list of quotes on my computer and i just keep seeing these ones that are jumping out so um, <laughs> this one is like um, unless you you unless you hear and follow the voice of the spirit, you will certainly never achieve the impact your life could otherwise realize. And I just love that. I feel like sometimes I like try so hard to like do the right thing or pick the right decision, and usually like my own thoughts and ideas like don't usually always work out. But <laughs> if you if you just like keep following your talents and finding people to help, then I I just feel like you'll be so much happier and you can just impact so many people with your talents that you have. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. That's about it. <laughs> well, Jess, it has been so nice getting to know you better. You really are an amazing person. Aubrey had told me that you did some of everything and you really have. <laughs> I'm really yeah. impressed. <laughs> A lot of random things. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being on Word Vomit, Jess. We're so excited to totally. share this with everyone and like Jess said if you want to get involved get involved and if you're interested in Leahona or Mommy um just send us a DM email us um yeah, let us we have know lots of volunteer we'll in contact with Jess totally we would love right. more volunteers for Leahona and Mommy <laughs> all right Perfect. there's your call to work everybody yep. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Word Vomit. We always love hearing from our listeners, so leave a review, connect with us on Instagram at wordvomitthepodcast, or shoot us an email at wordvomitpodcast at gmail.com. Can't wait to hang out with you next time on Word Vomit. Word Vomit.